You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 16. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am thrilled to be here with you today. I have got a great conversation to share with you. In today's episode, we are talking to Jess Lindgren. Jess, a self-described Jane of all trades, delights in the details, whether she's planning your quarterly board meeting, choosing the perfect gift for everyone on your list, or putting the finishing touches on another batch of her famous homemade marshmallows. She's been an executive assistant for 15 years and has worked with Pat Flynn and Smart Passive Income for five and a half years. I invited Jess to come on the show today because she's amazing at what she does and she has a wealth of knowledge to share with us about her experience as a high-level executive assistant and what it takes to find a great executive assistant to help support you in your business. I have had the pleasure of getting to know Jess since the beginning of 2018 when I joined Pat Flynn's SPI Accelerator Program, which is his high-level coaching and mastermind program. And I've seen firsthand how Jess has been instrumental in SPI and helping Pat execute his vision. She really has a heart for helping executives and their assistants build a successful working relationship. And she's launching a podcast called Ask an Assistant. Jess will share more about that at the end of the interview. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 16. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 16. Here is just a taste of what you will learn in this episode with Jess. She's going to share the top traits any executive assistant should possess to succeed in the role. Plus, you'll learn how an executive assistant can help businesses flourish to seven figures and how to know if you're ready to hire an executive assistant for your business. Plus, we talk in depth about the difference between a virtual assistant, project manager, online business manager, and executive assistant. And... We also talk about how to find the right executive assistant to help support your business growth because not just any executive assistant will do, even if they're super talented and experienced, plus a whole lot more. So let's dive in to the interview with Jess Lindgren from JessLindgren.com and AskAnAssistant.com. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on the show. It is absolutely my pleasure to be here. Yay. Okay. Well, we are going to have a great conversation today. So tell people who you are and what you do. 
Yes, I am Jess Lindgren, and I started a company five years ago called Gal Friday 612. The 612 is in reference to where I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's the local zip code there. And Gal Friday basically means that I am a Jane of all trades, if you will. I'm an executive assistant of 15 years. And when I started the company five and a half years ago, I was already 10 years into my career and just decided to strike out on my own, do my own thing. And so what exactly does your company do? Oh my goodness. What don't we do? It's a really great mixture of personal, professional, and events support. If you've ever had or worked with an executive assistant at a company, I like to tell people that I know 10% about everything. And that's not an exaggeration. Like that's just kind of a baseline. If there's something out there, it piques my interest. Somebody talks about it. I take the time to learn at least 10% about something and then figure out if it's worth my time and interest to learn more or if it's worth my money to hire it out. So basically a little bit of everything and then just really good financially savvy and time savvy decision-making around who should do it. Like, am I the expert that should do it or is somebody else the expert that we should hire to do it? Well, our connection is that you've worked with Pat Flynn for what, five years or more? Yes, it's more. It's about, we're coming up on five and a half years right now. Pat was my very first client five and a half years ago. So that would have been the end of 2013 leading into 2014. I sent an email to everybody that I had ever emailed before. Like if I had emailed you once, I just BCC'd everybody I knew on a note that said, Hey, everybody quitting my job, life update, starting a company. Here's what I do. And five minutes after I sent that email, somebody from Pat's team who is still on the team actually reached out to me and said, we have a job for you. That's so awesome how things work out like that. And it was because you put yourself out there. Okay. Before that, you quit your job, started your company. Was that always the goal? Had you always been entrepreneurial? No, especially not in my line of work. For executive assistants specifically, and this might be an outdated point of view, but the way that I had always looked at it, the role of an executive assistant is you find an executive to support and then you stay with them until your executive retires or until you retire. So the entrepreneurial thing was never anything I had ever thought about or dreamed of. You know, a lot of people like, oh, yes, I knew from a young age that I would become Lady Gaga and start 15 companies. Like, I'm not that person. I really thought that finding a job, sticking with my executive was the way it was going to go. And then it just kind of became untenable to continue in the role that I was in. Like the Sunday night dread crept in every week. And I was just like, you know what? If these people can make $50 million a year, I can make 50000 Awesome. And just kind of struck out on my own. (laughs) Okay. So you decided you're just going to be a free agent, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. go find your own clients. And so was the goal to then find one great client or multiple clients? The goal was more, especially in my experience as an executive assistant, like there were definitely busy days. And on the busy days, it would be 10, 12, 13 hour days. But then on the slow days, it might be two to four hours of actual work. And so my thought was whether I found one client who needed 40 hours a week or 10 clients who needed four hours a week, anything would be better. I would rather be busy and doing meaningful work all the time rather than sitting at a desk, being a warm body in a chair, feeling like an insurance policy, like there if you need me, but not doing a whole lot if you don't. Right. 
even going back further before that, I mean, was the plan always to be an executive assistant? Is that something that you knew that you always wanted to do? Or how did that come into your life? Yeah, that was actually something that I always wanted to do. You know, you see in movies, so like His Girl Friday, Sabrina, like anything like that, where there's an executive assistant role, somebody who supports a powerful business person, but you know that they are that business person's right hand. And, you know, Hollywood glamorizes it a little bit, but ever since I was young, it just seemed really fun and fascinating and like a very unique role. There's not a lot of companies that have multiple executive assistants. It's a very unique role within any organization. And it just, yeah, the thought of being indispensable and somebody's person that they can rely on and can't live without. I've just always loved that. I'm, I'm a very uh, service-oriented, service-minded person. And yeah, it was just always really appealing to me. Very cool. Well, I love how you have kind of married the role of an executive assistant, but kind of changed it a bit into this entrepreneurial journey with your own company. And so what do you love most about your day-to-day responsibilities? I love that no two days are the same. There's no, you know, some jobs it might be, okay, on Monday we do this, on Tuesday we do that, on the third Friday we always do this. That's not how my job is at all. Like I might go to bed on Monday night thinking that I know what Tuesday is going to hold and two hours into Tuesday things just, you know, they don't, I wouldn't say fall apart necessarily, but new things come up that you're just constantly evaluating and prioritizing and saying, okay, XYZ person asked me for this. My executive needs that. Where does everything fit in? What can I shuffle around to make these other things happen? And yeah, just, it's never boring. It's always exciting. There's always room to grow and expand and learn. And it's just always a lot of fun. So what are the most important traits for an executive assistant to have? It sounds like flexibility and being able to, you know, Mm -hmm. shift quickly and roll with the punches. What else? Other skills, in addition to flexibility, uh, I think adaptability is one of my top five for my strengths finder. So that ties right into that. I would say that you also need to be calm under pressure. So like somebody that would be really good in an emergency, not the person who's flipping out in the background. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The room is on fire. You know, you need to be the person that, okay, the room is on fire. Please get everybody out of the building. I'm calling 911. Here's the next five steps. So calm under pressure, very forward thinking. A lot of people, especially executives tend to be very visionary people who just kind of have an idea of what the whole grander picture is or what their dreamy dream situation would be. And as an executive assistant, a lot of times it's my job to kind of pull them back down into reality. You know, if they say, I want 5 million marshmallows. Okay. I can get you 5 million marshmallows, but probably not tomorrow. I could get you like 50 marshmallows by tomorrow, you know? So just kind of thinking through all those steps and bringing it back down into reality is a really good skill to have as well. Do you have any funny stories of you know, where you had a client uh, who asked for something kind of crazy like that and you had to, you know, either try to deliver or tell them, nope, that's not happening. You know, I'm trying to think nothing too crazy, just more 
kind of on that same thing where somebody asks for something at a large scale, but then they don't really think through how much does that actually cost? What are the logistics of getting XYZ thing to that place? So like we did, Pat and I did an event with Shalene Johnson a few years ago and Pat likes to offer a microphone as a bonus for anybody who signs up to his power podcasting course. He asked me to provide, I think like 75 or a hundred And I said, okay, let's think through the steps here. You know, you've given me a week to get you a hundred microphones to Anaheim from San Diego. And I currently live in Minneapolis. Let's talk through the logistics of that. Let's talk through how much it costs to get those microphones, how much more we're going to have to pay in shipping to get them there on time. We might need to pay a storage fee with the hotel depending on when they get there, because it's not feasible for me to pack them in my suitcase and bring them from Minneapolis. So I would say that's unfortunately like the craziest thing that anybody's asked for over the years. Since going freelance, I've been very, very spoiled in terms of working with people who do generally have at least a toehold on reality. Like they're not so far out there that they're asking me for a camel at two o'clock in the morning in Minneapolis in the middle of winter. You know, like it's, it's all pretty reasonable requests, but it's just more those at scale or not thinking through all of the logistics. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we could get a hundred microphones? And it's like, yes, it would be nice, but let's talk about how that actually happens. And then we did end up scaling it down, I think to like 25, which made more sense overall. Right. So like you said, being that, you know, voice of reality. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like keeping the toehold firm. Like, hey, remember your toe that lives here on the ground with the rest of us? I'm going to keep you here for a minute and let's talk through this and let's make a better informed decision. For those of us, you know, looking to grow and scale to seven figures, what is the role that an executive assistant can do for us? Like, how can an executive assistant help us with our goals to grow? That's a great question. Every business and every executive is so different that there's not a cookie cutter answer that I can give to that. The biggest thing that an executive assistant can do for you is free up all of the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You know, so little things like booking your own flights, making your own dinner reservations, purchasing gifts for people, scheduling, especially if you travel a lot or maybe you have a podcast or something like that where there's a lot of logistics involved. You shouldn't be doing any of that stuff yourself, sitting down with your executive assistant and just figuring out what those items are and then letting your assistant essentially figure out, like I touched on earlier, whether the assistant is the person to do it or whether the assistant is the person to project manage the expert that you bring in. You know, I've had executives, I always tell people that it's a balance up to 100%. So anywhere from 100% business to 100% personal support. I would say right now, most of my clients are 80% business and 20% personal support, but I've supported people anywhere in between. I've had clients where I simply provided personal support. You know, they did need dinners and family birthday parties and gifts for those parties. I've done strictly business where they need reports from, they need flights booked, they need reimbursements made with a speaking gig that they just had. Uh, But usually everybody falls on the spectrum somewhere in between with a tip toward business or personal. So how do we know if we're ready for an executive assistant? 
I think the executive assistant should be one of your first hires. Honestly, there's also something to be said for, especially coming from a, like a brick and mortar establishment background. Like I've always worked in small to medium sized, often family run businesses. There's kind of an outdated belief that you have to have part-time or full-time work available before you can hire somebody like that. You truly can and should hire small, like hire somebody for a five-hour one-time project and see if you like them, see if you like their working style, see just how it goes. Do they do the things that they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it? And just scale up from there. Like even if you just stayed at five hours a week or even five hours a month for the first few months, there's all kinds of little stuff. The more that you really sit down and think about it and the more that you get to know your assistant, you'll be able to see their strengths and how they play in with your strengths as a business owner. And you'll find things like, hey, I have been doing this. I can do this, but it's such a better use of Jess's time. I should really offload that to her. And so for looking to hire an executive assistant, I mean, how does that differ from a virtual assistant or can a virtual assistant grow in to become an executive assistant? Is there a difference there? There is a difference there. The term virtual assistant, when I started back in 2014, used to mean pretty strictly you were somebody based in India or the Philippines. You made three to five dollars an hour and you did low level administrative tasks for a very low cost. They were also people that you had to hold their hand quite a bit and usually double check or redo the work. So that definitely set me apart for me to say, Hey, I'm a freelance executive assistant. I come with 10 years of experience. You don't have to hold my hand. You don't have to double check my work. I'm in your same time zone or within two hours. Cause living in Minneapolis at the time back to California is two hours behind. New York is one hour ahead you know, so I'm able to attend meetings. I'm able to make or take phone calls for you. So there's a big difference there. And then if you look at the term virtual assistant now in 2019, it has evolved so much in the last five and a half years. A virtual assistant can mean whatever you want it to mean. You know, I know people that have a virtual graphic design assistant. I don't personally do graphic design. I'm not a graphic designer. But there are people who bill themselves, instead of being a graphic designer, they call themselves a graphic design virtual assistant. So the term VA has really changed a lot in the last five, six years and very low barrier for entry. But I do believe, just like you said, that people can grow into that. Like if you find a great person, absolutely mold and shape them into being a high level executive assistant. I think a lot of people, women especially tend to underestimate their skills and abilities and they tend to undersell themselves, you know, Oh no, no, I'm just an administrative assistant. I'm just a virtual assistant. When really you lucked out and found a gorgeous shining diamond in the rough who absolutely could and should be an executive assistant to you. So how much should we be paying for a virtual assistant versus an executive assistant? That's going to kind of depend on what you've got your virtual assistant doing. It's also going to depend on where you're finding the person. I think that administrative work has historically been very underpaid and undervalued, and we need to pay more 
you know, you find that what's the saying, like you get what you pay for. If you're paying somebody $10 an hour, you're probably not going to get a lot of loyalty. You're probably not going to get things turned around on super short notice. But you know, if you pay somebody what they're worth, and especially if you consider like using me as an example, I'm a freelancer, anything that you pay me automatically, 30% of that needs to be set aside for taxes. So if you were paying me $20 an hour, I'm already down to $14 an hour because 30% of that goes for taxes. And then everything else that goes into running your own business, paying for your own insurance, doing your own accounting, marketing, all that good kind of stuff. All of a sudden, the person who's making $20 an hour is really making more like $8 to $10 an hour after they factor all their expenses in. So truly, I think to get a good executive assistant, look at it from the perspective of what you as the business owner bill. Let's just say that you bill out at $500 an hour approximately, like that's the value that you have to your company. Wouldn't you pay somebody $50 an hour to do the stuff and know that it's going to be done well and done right the first time and with a high degree of professionalism and a positive attitude and on time and have that person really want to like be incentivized to stay with you and learn your business and learn your preferences and grow as your company grows. So I really think that's the best way to determine what you should be paying is kind of look at what you bring to the company. You know, if you're billing $500 an hour, paying somebody 50, that's 10% of what you make. I think that's a totally reasonable salary for somebody, especially if they're a freelancer. And then it becomes obviously very different if you were to go like a salaried through the company payroll route. So where can we go to find a great executive assistant? I mean, somebody that has your level of experience and your expertise and can, you know, jump in and tackle tasks and projects and not need that handholding. Where do we find somebody like you? You find those people, they are all around you. Uh, This is another place where there are some outdated beliefs. You'll see a lot of people with a job description that says must have three to 15 years of C-suite experience and all of these laundry list of qualifications. Truly, these people are when you get great service at a restaurant, when you get like the friendliest, most personable, magnetic cashier at your target or whatever, your friend's 20-something-year-old child that's home from school for the summer who is looking for a gig to kind of make some money over the summer but not commit necessarily to a full-time job before going back to school. These people are all around you. So just start looking at your network. Tell your network what you're looking for. Have your business cards on you. And when you meet those amazing magnetic people, those servers at restaurants, those cashiers at stores, hand them a business card and say, truly, I would love for you to be a part of my team. Like you are just, you're so amazing. You know, whatever it is, that indefinable, inexplicable, hard to put into words quality that it is that you found in that person, snag them right out from under target, snag them out from that bar. Like that's where they're at. They're kind of these hidden gems that you just kind of have to put yourself out there and just say, this is what I'm looking for and be open to the outside of the box thinking. Don't lock yourself into, oh, this person has to have X number of years of qualifications or experience or what have you. Like, Look for that creative solution because those people are out there and would make such a better addition to your team than whatever it is they're doing right now. 
That's interesting because, I mean, my thought would be that I would need to find somebody who has been, you know, at least a virtual assistant for other people or at least worked in the online world to understand, you know, the lingo and kind of, you know, how the online business world works. Are you saying that we can train them for that or they'll be able to, if they're amazing, they'll be able to pick that up very quickly? You can train them and they'll pick it up. You're looking for soft skills over hard skills because anybody who's worth it will absolutely be able to just jump in the deep end and swim. Okay. So let's say we find somebody at Target. They just, you know, they blew us away with their smile and their friendliness and how they just went above and beyond for us at Target. And then we initiate that conversation. How do we know that they're going to be a great fit for our team rather than somebody who just, you know, seems friendly and has a great first impression? Yeah, I've been burned by that before. I've had people interview well, the clients love them. We get them all set up with, you know, software and hardware and equipment, and then they totally ghost us. So you don't know until you try. But truly what it boils down to is hire slowly and fire quickly. You want to hire somebody and do that, you know, and be very clear with the person. Like, don't say, hey, I would love for you to be my executive assistant. Here's 30 hours a week off the bat. No, you want to say, I'm looking for an executive assistant. You seem like you would be amazing. I would love to work with you on a five to 10 hour long project. And before you give them the keys to the castle, you know, like don't give them your credit card information, any of your passwords or anything, but there's got to be something on your to-do list, you know, some research that can be done, a couple of phone calls that could be made, you know, and then when you find Jess, the cashier at Target, and then Jess turns up and says, yes, this is Jess calling from Monica Louie's office. Jess makes a great impression in front of your client or turns around the work that you asked for, does what they said that they would do when they said that they would do it. And then you just kind of ramp those responsibilities up from there and just be very clear with your expectations for both of you, you know, because they might even try being your executive assistant and then say, you know what, this is not my bag. I think I'm happier being a cashier. Or they might say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you rescued me. I was totally floundering this job was barely making ends meet. And now I'm making better money working with you. I'm less stressed. You know, when you pay well, like I said, that breeds loyalty and longevity and the desire for somebody to really get in and learn the ins and outs of your business. And you as an executive, it's amazing. Really cool. Okay. You mentioned some traits earlier that a great executive assistant needs to have. And you also just mentioned, you know, integrity, doing what they say they're going to do. What else will separate the good from the great for the executive assistants? The good from the great, that's just kind of one of those indefinable things. Like I've learned over the last six years that I can tell if I want to work with somebody from the time that I shake their hand. You know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. You can just kind of tell. When you meet somebody, when you're in the same room with them, you have a good handshake. By the end of the conversation, you want to hug that person and like invite them over for dinner. It's just that indefinable thing. Really, I think what it is, is you're looking for someone who is a lifelong learner. You're looking for somebody who doesn't just want to be a clock puncher. You know, somebody who's just there to punch in at 7.59, you know, and punch out at 4.59 and doing just what's asked of them. You're looking for somebody who's smart and hungry and 
all of those indefinable traits that you can't really know if somebody has or not until you've worked with them a little bit. And a problem solver. Yeah, absolutely. Good, fantastic problem solving skills. It's not just something where they show up and say, hey, Monica, you asked me to order some books and the books are out. What do I do? Oh, no. They get on the phone. They find out who published this book. Where was it released? Is it out of print? Can I get some more? They find all of those backdoor ways to find something, even if it seems impossible to get. Like they'll come back to you with solutions to problems that you could not have foreseen, but that when they were faced with them, they absolutely found a way to solve. So you mentioned the Strengths Finders test. Is there, you know, like a Myers Briggs profile or DISC profile, you know, for the ideal executive assistant? Or is it not really like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing? It's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. I am a big believer in StrengthsFinder, the Myers-Briggs or uh, 16personalities.com, I think is similar to the Myers-Briggs, if not the same thing. And then Enneagram is one that I did for the first time this year. And really what you're looking for is somebody whose strengths and Enneagram and Myers-Briggs mesh well with yours, you know, cause there are executives out there. Every executive again is so different. Their needs are different. The businesses are different. Some of the principles might be the same, but the way that you execute on that and the way that you build things behind the scenes can be so different. There are so many executives out there who are micromanagers. I personally cannot handle a micromanager. I can't, but there are plenty of executive assistants out there who totally can. They don't take that stuff personally. They let it slide right off their back. They say, yep, I will absolutely redo it exactly the way you asked me to. Personally, I need a lot of autonomy. I need somebody to say, hey, Jess, I need you to do these five things. Go. And then I just have full creative control to do stuff the way that I want to do it. So you really are looking for somebody whose personality meshes with yours. I think that's a huge tip and that that makes perfect sense because you need to be able to work well with this person. And like you mentioned, you know, you are building a relationship and there's somebody that you'd want to invite over to your house for dinner. So you're going to work closely with this person. So make sure that you guys get along well, that you flow well, that you can communicate well with each other and that you just kind of instinctively know that you're on the same page. But also you have to communicate that you're on the same page. Like don't ever assume, don't just rely on those instincts, you know, have those check-ins. I would say once a week, I'm just like, Hey, are we cool? Are we on the same page about these things? And it just, it opens the door for better communication. Cause otherwise I think it's way too easy to say, well, but I spent all the time and I hired this person and I'm paying them a lot of money and they're not really doing a great job, but how do I tell them? Like, don't be shy to tell them. Just make sure that there's a very open door policy between the two of you and have those regular check-in meetings. And it just, it'll make your relationship fantastic. I like that idea too. And that's something that I do with my team is that we always have, we have monthly check-ins, just me and a person on my team, we meet every month, but then also we have weekly admin team meetings to talk about, you know, what are the things that are happening this week? What are we looking forward to next week? What happened last week that we need to, you know, celebrate our wins for? And so that everybody's on the same page as far as what we're working on and what our priorities are. I love that. That's perfect. 
you mentioned that an executive assistant can do some project managing. So how is the executive assistant role different or is it different from a project manager or an integrator in our business? Definitely very different roles. When I first heard the term integrator, that's from Rocket Fuel. Is that correct? Yes. The book Rocket Fuel. Yeah. So when I first heard the term integrator, I thought it meant executive assistant. Really what that means is more of a chief operating officer is your integrator. So like that's somebody who integrates bigger picture, business-wide longer arcing, you know, looking at three, six, nine, 12 months at a time type stuff. And then a project manager, I think can be similar to an executive assistant. But from my understanding of what a project manager is, project managers tend to also take on kind of similar to your chief operating officer type role. They are taking on bigger, longer term overall responsibility for projects. So like an example, we just recently finished up a book at Smart Passive Income. Uh, Pat's newest book is coming out. And the project manager for that, you know, she supervised, hey, Pat, this is when you need to get chapters one, two, and three are due on this date. And then four, five, and six are due on this date. And seven, eight, nine are due on this date. So she was managing a much bigger, much more overarching project And then she would say to me, hey, Jess, I need this tiny piece of the project and here's your date. So it's similar, but again, I think the project managers are working on bigger things and I definitely can and do work on bigger things, but it's closer one-to-one relationship with the executive rather than being a part of the bigger general team projects and meetings. So it's a lot more, hey, Jess, I need XYZ thing done just between you and me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're helping with the details and the project manager is kind of managing the entire project overall and getting the right people in place and the deadline set for everything. Exactly. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So what are those things that you do for Pat, if you don't mind me asking, you know, on a day-to-day basis or weekly or monthly, do you have different cycles? How do you help support him and his business? Yeah. So for the first five years, I was the first point of contact for the email inbox. And we see upwards of five to 600 messages a day. I got pretty burnt out on that. So I did recently hand that off. And it's been a big breath of fresh air because managing that volume of communication is overwhelming and doesn't leave you a lot of bandwidth to do Like I still was definitely doing more than just managing the inbox, but feeling very burnt out, very tired, very exhausted. So being able to hand that off really freed up my brain power to do some bigger things. And obviously we've got some bigger things happening over in SPI land this year. But I would say I still handle Pat's speaking engagements. So any kind of travel reimbursement, making sure slides are where they need to be, making sure Pat is physically where he needs to be when he needs to be there handle all of his scheduling for the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcasts, as well as any appearances that he might have on other people's podcasts. And then a lot of just ad hoc, hey Jess, it's 10 o'clock on Tuesday night and I need XYZ thing by noon tomorrow. So it's a lot of just kind of a repository for all the little items that just kind of pop up and just need to be taken care of. And since we have been working together for so long, he knows that they'll be done 
when he needs them. He knows that they'll be done correctly. And it's just, it's a very big honor to have that trust from somebody who's a business owner, like to know that I'm that responsible, trustworthy, reliable person that he can ask to do, whether it's something very private and personal or whether it's something that the whole team knows about, you know, it's great to be that person who does all of those random odds and ends to keep the business moving forward. Right. And you've been such, as I've gotten to know, you know, Pat, over these last couple of years, you've been such a huge part in planning, you know, the SPI Accelerator and the retreats and everything. And so it's been so great to see you and your role in his business and also kind of see the behind the scenes of, you know, this brand that I've been following for the past five plus years. So that's been really cool. What are your best tips for keeping everything organized, all of your responsibilities, making sure that nothing is getting dropped, you know, that you are on top of everything because you are that trusted source to know that if he asks you for something, you're not going to say, oh, whoops, I totally forgot about that. You know, how, how do you kind of keep track of all those little details yourself? Yeah, it's a work in progress, but I would say pick one tool, whatever that tool is, whatever works for you. You know, if it's a project management software like Asana or Basecamp or Trello, if it's, you know, your Google Calendar and your inbox, or even if it's as simple as a pen and a notebook, whatever that tool is that works for you, do that. And then whatever works best for your executive, also know how to do that. Like for example, Pat and I, we were up until recently using CoSchedule for some of his to-dos because a lot of his to-dos for editorial needs are in there. So then if he needed to address a specific email or if he owed somebody a video or something, then I could just toss it into CoSchedule because he knew that that's where everything lived. And then after a while, it's like, hey, your to-dos are kind of creeping up. We really need to get through those. And he's like, okay, well, co-schedule isn't really working for me right now. Let's try something else. So just constantly being evaluating and improving, like noting when there's a slowdown or if something seems like it's not working, don't hesitate to say, hey, it doesn't seem like this is working right now. Let's fix it. And then find out what that is. And then just being flexible enough and adaptable to change as needs change. So do you also manage his calendar and to the effect of when he's going to do specific tasks? To an extent, when he has to do's, you know, things that he might owe to other people or emails that he needs to answer, I put them in on days and times where I know that he will be in a position to execute on those. And that's something that I do for myself too. You know, if you know that, like for me personally, being freelance for five plus years, I do my best work starting at two o'clock in the afternoon. I know that not everybody is like that, but you all know, you know, you might be a super morning person and you do your best work at six o'clock in the morning. Do you know what I'm doing at six o'clock in the morning? I'm sleeping. I'm not going to put to do's on my to-do list for six o'clock in the morning. Cause then I'm going to wake up every morning feeling behind and feeling bad about what I'm doing. Whereas like with Pat specifically, he is a morning person. So I can toss things onto his to-do list onto his calendar and say, Hey, I need these five things today. And if I put them onto his calendar for, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and then he can see them when he first sits down at his computer and say, Oh my gosh, I'm in a perfect position to do these. Let's crank them out. 
I asked that question because I've been doing that myself too, is, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to schedule my tasks to make sure that I'm first of all, being realistic about how much I'm committing myself to, but then also, you know, just knowing that, okay, this is what I'm doing at this point in the afternoon. And so I don't need to spend time trying to figure out, well, you know, I see my long list of to-dos, what is the most pressing right now? So I've been trying to do that more Mm -hmm. and more. And what happens though, when something comes up. So you mentioned, you know, flexibility, adaptability in the beginning, you know, Mm -hmm. you never know, you know, you might think, you know, how Tuesday is going to be, but then when Tuesday (laughs) gets here, it's totally different. How do you respond when something does come up that kind of throws the plan out the window? How do you best manage that? Basically, you just have to look at what's on your list for right now and be able to prioritize. So if three team members ask you for something that's absolutely crucial to their project moving forward, but then your executive asks you for something, it's really, you know, where does all of this affect what's going on and what the executive asked you for? Is it actually your number one priority? Does it hold that much more weight or can what your executive asked for wait until after you've done one or two of the other three outstanding things that you have. So it's really just constant prioritization and evaluation and then just communicating with people and saying, hey, my executive asked me to do this thing. It's going to push me behind for what you needed. You know, please let me know if that's okay for your deadlines. And as long as you get to people ahead of when you owed it, you know, if you owed somebody something by noon Pacific and you told them at 1155, It's not ideal, but at least it's before the deadline. But usually I like to schedule myself in such a way that I will have one to two days of leeway. Like it's very, very rare that I have to come to somebody and say, hey, that thing that I owe you in five minutes, it's going to be late. It does happen, but just being the person to relay that message rather than them finding out or sitting and waiting on you it's so important to just know your schedule know your abilities and what's going on. And it just shows a lot of maturity and professionalism to do that reprioritization, be able to explain to them why you had to make that choice and then still deliver on the new time schedule. So going back to hiring and there's also OBMs Mm -hmm. that stand for office business manager. I'm messing that up, I think. I think it's online business manager. Online business manager. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So how does an OBM differ from an executive assistant, differ from a virtual assistant? I think that's another one of those things where it's just different to every company. There are a lot of different titles that can be thrown around that all tend to mean kind of similar things. You know, you might be the executive assistant. Like I had a friend, she worked with uh, Dana Malstaff of Boss Mom for a few years, and she built herself as an online business manager. She was Dana's right hand. She was Dana's assistant, but that was the title that she chose to use. I've definitely had people over the years say that I should be billing myself as an online business manager, but I think that there are things, especially in a slightly bigger organization, that would probably fall under the title of an online business manager, like uh, forecasting and cash flow and AR and AP and HR and benefits and all kinds of other stuff that I personally just don't love to do. Whereas I really love the role of an executive assistant because it does blend personal and professional support. So 
I think it's just kind of one of those things where, again, it's different to every organization and different to each executive and then the strengths that their executive assistant bring to the table. So if we find somebody, you know, like our example at Target, the Mm -hmm. cashier at Target, who's great, like, are there programs out there where we can kind of, you know, say, hey, go through this certification program or this online course where they can kind of learn the tools of the trade? There are definitely some virtual assistant courses out there. My friend Gina Horky of Horky Handbook has a virtual assistant boot camp, I believe. I'm not 100% sure what hers is called, but Horky Handbook is one. And then Abby Ashley of, oh dear, I forget what hers is called too. But those are the two. So Gina Horky and Abby Ashley, they both have really great online courses and they have a very strong group, you know, like I think Abby's Facebook group for virtual assistants is 10,000 plus people. So just really strong, really supportive, really active communities around becoming a virtual assistant. And I think that teaches you kind of some of the basics of different tools and techniques and things like that. And I think that's a great place to start. There are a couple of executive assistant like certification programs, but I don't know how much water they hold in terms of, you know, legitimacy or prestige or benefits. Even I think that a lot of people, myself included, really just rely on experience because again, a great executive assistant is going to be hungry for knowledge. Like they don't want to just do the bare minimum. They want to learn more. They want to dive deeper. They want to do a better job. They want to constantly be learning, evaluating, and improving. And I don't think that that's something that a course can necessarily teach you. Right. Okay. I mean, to find a great executive assistant, you don't necessarily need to be looking for those certifications or that they've completed those programs. But it might be, if you are looking for a good place to start, it might be a good place to kind of reach out to those networks and see who they have available. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about? I think the only other thing that I wanted to touch on is when you are looking for a great assistant, you're really looking for somebody that you like and respect and that they like and respect you in return. Like you don't have to be best friends with your assistant. You don't have to invite them over for dinner every night, but you do have to like each other and you do have to respect each other. And you really have to find somebody who is into the mission of what you and your company are doing. You know, that's another place where it just, if you're not passionate about what somebody's up to, like I interviewed for, to be an executive assistant at a construction company once, and just my heart was in it. You know, yeah, building roads and buildings and stuff is really important, vital work, but learning about like blueprints and permits and city codes, not super fascinating to me. You know, whereas working with somebody like Pat, he speaks and writes books and has a couple of podcasts and writes blog articles about things that he tries and does that really help people. I am all about helping people. Like, I just, I love that. So I really love the mission and I love Pat as a person. You know, he's just very genuine, very earnest, really wants to see people succeed. And it's really not hard to get behind the mission of what he does. Very cool. What advice do you have for leaders who are 
looking to hire an executive assistant or have an executive assistant that they're working with, but what advice do you have for us to become better leaders? The biggest piece of advice that I have for you is to learn what your shortcomings are and then hire somebody who is better than you are at those things. I think a lot of leaders have a hard time admitting that they have any kind of shortcomings at all. I think that there's a lot of negativity placed on not being all-knowing, all-powerful, good at everything. That's actually very mature and great for you as a person and as a business leader to know where I use the term faults, but I think that's even a little harsh. Like that has a bit of a negative connotation to it. You know, there are a lot of people in leadership positions who are those visionaries, who are the big picture people. And for me, I'm very fortunate in that I have a very good, like I have an eye on the big picture, but all of my focus is on the details. And a lot of people who are leaders just aren't great at the details. So whatever those shortcomings might be, Hire somebody who is better than you are at doing those things and then step back and let them do their work. That's great advice. So be self-aware, you know, as to Mm -hmm. where you can use some help. And I mean, that's really what the goal of the role is, is to help support you so that you can be at your best and to grow your business. Absolutely. And then take some of those personality tests that we touched on earlier, the Enneagram, the StrengthsFinder, the Myers-Briggs and or 16 personalities. The other one I would really strongly recommend people look into is love languages. Learn what your love language is. Learn what your assistant's love language is. And then learn for the both of you how to speak them fluently. Like for me personally, I need words of affirmation from my executive. I don't need them to like buy me fancy presents. I don't need them to take me out to lunch, anything like that. I need them to say, Hey Jess, you are doing such an amazing job. Whereas my executive might really enjoy some kind of gift to mark the occasion. But then it's also a little bit different. Like my love language with my husband is very different. You know, I need acts of service from him, not necessarily words of affirmation from my husband. So learn your love languages in both a professional and personal setting. And don't be afraid to ask, you know, like with Pat specifically, I personally have a lot of anxiety around making itineraries for travel arrangements, because if you make even one tiny typo, like I used to support an executive who were, if I made even one typo or there was one place where like the font wasn't perfect. This person would like rage about it for days. And so like I've said to him, I'm just like, Hey, when I make these itineraries for you, if you could just give me some positive feedback about how helpful they are, how great they are to be able to give a copy to your wife. So she has all the information for your flights or whatever. Like that's huge to me. And it just, it helps me know that I'm doing a great job and helps me feel more confident and comfortable supporting you with what you're up to. That's really great. I think that's really great advice because I've definitely taken the love language test for, you know, with my husband so that we could know what our love languages are, but I haven't done that in thinking about, you know, how I communicate with my team and my relationship with my team. 
because it, it translates like, you know, that the way that you communicate with your husband, you might want something very different. You know, like I said, I want acts of service from my husband. He wants words of affirmation from me. He wants that, but I might give him acts of service thinking that that's what he wants when really that's what I want. And that's where I say, you really have to learn what it is. What's the phrase we prescribe other people, our own best medicine, something like that. Like you give other people what you think they want, but really it's what you want. So you do really just have to have those conversations with people and say, Hey, executive assistant, project manager, CTO, whoever it is on your team and just say, how do you like to receive feedback? You know, would it help you the most if I gave you a little gift once a month? Would it help you the most if I was giving you positive feedback? Would it help you the most if maybe you as the executive assistant really hate, I don't know, some little task? Like, would it be better if I, as the executive was doing that, would that help your work life? And then just be honest with each other. So that's another place where just open communication, open, honest, constant communication with each other. And again, just, you know, evaluating and improving always. Yeah, that's great. So what other books or resources would you recommend for us who are looking to improve our relationship with our executive assistant or hire an executive assistant or learn how to grow our company in a better way with the support of our team? That is a really fantastic question. And unfortunately, I don't have a great answer for it. I read a lot of books, but I read a lot of science fiction and mystery novels. I don't personally read a ton of business books, which I should probably change since I support somebody who is a business author. (laughs) Well, that's okay. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. So so you don't need to hire somebody who's obsessed with business then. No, Um, absolutely. But I know that you are, well, when this comes out, you will have launched your brand new podcast. Can you tell us about that? Because that's a great resource we can send people to. That is a fantastic resource for you to check out. So to better answer your question, the best resource that I have to recommend for anybody who is looking to become a better leader, to have a better relationship with their assistant, I am launching a podcast in July of 2019. So by the time this launches, it will be live for your listening pleasure. It's called Ask an Assistant. And all of the questions that Monica has had for me today, anything else that you might have, I am so thrilled to take your questions and answer them in a short digestible audio format, uh, taking 15 years of executive assistant experience and translating it into a knowledge base for assistants and executives alike to have a place to get their burning business questions answered. That's so great. And I mean, you've been so helpful with our conversation today and thank you for taking the time to answer all my questions. And I know that, I mean, you're just always wealth of knowledge and willing to share your experience and your expertise with us. I mean, you led a whole session at the last SPI Accelerator Retreat, and that was really great. We had a lot of questions for you, and I took tons of notes during that session. So definitely, I'll be sending more questions your way to your podcast and anybody else listening out there. If you have a question for Jess regarding anything, regarding being an assistant or working with your assistant or hiring an assistant, go ahead and send her a question and she will answer it on her podcast. That's so cool. Yes, please. And it's askanassistant.com. 
And I really look forward to hearing from more of you and helping out in any way that I can. Great. Is there anywhere else that we should send people to so that they can learn more about you and reach out to you? Uh, just askanassistant.com and then jesslingren.com. And I'll make Perfect. sure I get you copies of those for the show notes. Wonderful. We'll put all of those in the show notes and including the resources and tools that we talked about today. So thank you so much for joining me, Jess. This was really, really insightful. I really appreciate you sharing everything today. Truly my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. If you are ever at an event with Pat and you see a redhead by his side with a gorgeous red flower above her ear, that is Jess. She is the sweetest and she's super friendly. So be sure to say hi to her and tell her that you heard her on the podcast. I loved this conversation with Jess because I so appreciate her sharing her insights with us as to how to find the right executive assistant and foster a great relationship. If you have more questions for Jess, then I encourage you to check out her podcast and submit a question for her to answer on the podcast at askanassistant.com. Thank you so much once again to Jess for sharing her wisdom with us. If your goal is to flourish to seven figures and you haven't yet hired an executive assistant, then I encourage you to take Jess's advice and consider how an executive assistant can help. One thing that I have really appreciated about growing my team is that I never feel alone in my business. I have my team to brainstorm with and bounce ideas off of. Plus, I love that I don't have to do it all myself. My team helps me execute on my crazy ideas and keep all of the balls in the air. So what one thing are you going to take action on from today's conversation with Jess? I would love to know. So please share in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 16. And remember, we'll have all of the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 16. So thank you so much for joining Jess and me today. If you have found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I'm talking about what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. I'll be talking about campaign budget optimization, creatives, audiences, and more. So if you are running ads or you're getting ready to, you will definitely want to check it out. All right, that's all from me today. So thank you again for joining me. Take care and bye for now. 